When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson has officially been suspended six games. The league tried to remove itself from being in the business of deciding what is the proper discipline for players. All I can do is, is respect the opinion of Judge Robinson. I find her ruling to be utterly incoherent. She calls his behavior predatory and even says he can only work with in-house massage therapists from now on. I find this incredibly difficult to square. It doesn't make sense to me. How does he get to play more games this year than he doesn't get to play? How does he get his $45 million this year when you deemed that his behavior was egregious? I, like, it's, it's hard for me because I feel like we're losing like the human aspect of this, you know? Welcome into NFL Live on a jam-packed Tuesday. We've got Lewis Riddick, Damian Woody, Adam Schefter, I am Field Yates, and we have a ton coming up on a major, major Dolphin story throughout the show. But first, we start with the major news from yesterday. As Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson has been suspended for the first six games of the NFL's regular season for violating the personal conduct policy stemming for 24 lawsuits alleging sexual misconduct. This is the first personal conduct policy case determined by the NFL's new disciplinary officer, Sue L. Robinson. Watson and NFLPA will not appeal the suspension. As for the league, it has until Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern time to submit a written appeal if it chooses. And if it does, Roger Goodell or his designee will make the final decision on the length of Watson's suspension. Tony Busby, the lawyer who represented the 24 women who filed civil lawsuits against Watson, had some strong comments regarding the suspension earlier today on First Take. The women that I represent, uh, as I said before, um, they were not, they were not um, sitting back waiting for the NFL to do anything groundbreaking. And of course, nothing like that happened. Now we'll see what the NFL does going forward. These women are uh, angered, uh, disappointed, and how can you blame them from being so? I've dealt with the NFL now for about 18 months. Um, I sat through some of the interviews of some of my clients. Uh, I was incredibly disappointed then. Uh, I knew even from the beginning that not to expect any sort of uh, any anything major from the NFL. Uh, from one of the first questions that was asked uh, to one of my clients was, "What were you wearing uh, in the massage session?" Despite the judge saying that uh, the the NFL interviewed 12 of my clients, they only interviewed 10. We made more available. They chose not to interview them. Uh, and then they only presented four. Unfortunately, the, the exact same thing I said 15 months ago, I can say now the NFL has no interest, uh, does not care about the rights of women. Uh, they care about the bottom line. Uh, they care about making money. Uh, they're trying to manage this as a PR crisis. Uh, but as far as um, trying to do anything to assuage uh, these particular women or or women's rights, or dealing with women's rights in general, that's not part of their uh, mission statement, and they've made that very clear throughout this process. Strong remarks there earlier today on First Take. Shefty, what more can you add on this situation? Well, Phil, the NFL is deliberating about what to do about the judge's decision from yesterday, and something tells me just an intuition that the NFL is not going to go quietly into the night and just mm. simply accept 
what the judge ruled yesterday, that it's six games when the NFL has wanted a lengthy suspension with Deshaun Watson having to apply for reinstatement before he were to come back in the league. Again, Tony Busby speaks out strong words, strong accusations. I think the league is taking this pretty seriously, and we'll see how the league decides to handle this going forward. Look, it's the end of the business day, almost the end of the business day. We haven't heard anything from the NFL, which obviously has weighed in on the Miami Dolphins situation today. So something tells me we won't get it today, and then we'll be on the clock waiting to see what the NFL will do about Judge Robinson's decision tomorrow and Thursday morning. Yeah, about 40 hours until that deadline. Lewis, what's your reaction, first reaction, to everything that we've seen and heard over the past day, and then most recently from Tony Busby? Well, I'll start where you where you left off there. My reaction to Tony Busby is, look, I think that's how many people feel about the NFL right now concerning their their stance on violence towards women, the treatment of women as it relates to the players and the people that make up the NFL and how they are, you know, how they are then punished for for wrongdoings, specifically sexual misconduct. I think I think there's many people who believe that the NFL is very much so reactionary instead of forward thinking and, you know, being somewhat ahead of the curve as far as making sure that people understand that there are serious, serious consequences when you step out of line and you commit these kind of acts that Judge Robinson termed in the case of Deshaun Watson egregious and predatory. Those two words right there, I think, will stick in the minds of everyone that is following this case. Because when you hear those two words, you automatically think, well, then something severe in terms of punishment is coming down the line. And that's where I think everyone is hung up right now, and rightfully so. Like, if that is, if those are two of the words that you use to describe the behavior in question here, then how could six games be where you landed at? And I think, you know, when you read the judge's ruling, I think then you kind of like turn to some of the things that she said about the NFL and the precedent that they have established in the past, and now having it come back and bite them now here in the present. And that being that, look, they have not uniformly and consistently meted out punishment in the past. This is where she came in at based on how they have punished things in the past and how they have, or rather, and maybe even the level at which they didn't hold people accountable in the past. And she specifically noted at the bottom of the conclusion, the case that the NFLPA argued in favor of Deshaun Watson, that involving Robert Kraft. And that's why now she's kind of like putting the ball back in their court saying, hey, look, you may be for her words. You may be a forward facing entity, but you're not very forward looking Mm. and you don't necessarily always have your ducks in a row to handle these kind of situations. And then now what are we faced with? We're faced with again now waiting on the NFL to kind of figure out what they're going to do in response to the very, very explosive reactions that people have had to this case, which is a position that all too often they find themselves in. And unfortunately, here we are talking about it once again. Yeah, Lewis, I think you brought up a great point when you're talking about precedent, because clearly in, in, when you when you look at the report that the arbiter you know, wrote out as far as this Deshaun Watson incident, it's a, it, it was it's like two different worlds here. You talk about, you know, the predatory behavior by Deshaun Watson, but you also look at past, you know, uh, you know, past penalty that the NFL has laid down as far as uh, past cases, you know, you know, most recently you talk about Ezekiel Elliott, you know, you talk about Big Ben Roethlisberger, those guys got six games. So as much as we talk about 
how do you reconcile putting down six games as it relates to those cases and then looking at Deshaun Watson and you're talking about 24, you know, 24 uh, massage therapists in, in, in this particular situation. That's where it comes back to bite the NFL right there in the precedent that they set prior to. So, again, I think this whole thing, is, as far as the punishment laid down for Deshaun Watson, Watson is egregious, but this is where the NFL kind of bit themselves in the butt as far as the, the punishment that they've laid down prior. Again, the NFL has until Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern time to decide on a possible appeal. We'll keep you updated on that. The team has continued with its training camp, and head coach Kevin Stefanski addressed the media earlier today. I did read the report. Uh, like I told you, I would. Um, I'll continue to, to be respectful of Judge Robinson uh, and, and her ruling, uh, and, and I think that's really where my focus is. We'll wait for more information. We'll stick to the plan that we have, uh, which, uh, again, we'll, we'll deal with that day to day. For more from Cleveland, we bring in our NFL Nation Browns reporter, Jake Trotter, for the latest. Jake, what's the atmosphere been like since the Watson news was announced around 9.30 yesterday morning? Yeah, Field, based on the atmosphere of practice alone, you would have no idea that any of this was happening with Deshaun Watson. On the field, it's been business as usual. Deshaun Watson continues to get reps with the first-team offense. Jacoby Brissett, the backup, is working with the twos. And... Off the field, you know, yesterday, owners Jimmy and D. Haslam, they were chatting up VIPs on the sideline. At one point, Jimmy Haslam was taking photographs with fans. And after practice, Deshaun Watson, as he was coming off the field, was absolutely mobbed by people trying to get his autograph. Field, I just left practice a few minutes ago, and it was the same thing. Deshaun Watson signing autographs. Certainly a very popular player still amongst Browns fans. We'll see how that reaction develops as we get closer to the regular season. Jake, great stuff. Certainly has been a busy, busy offseason out there in Cleveland. Let's get back to our panel here. And, Lewis, you talked about a lot of things, but just sort of to be specific about the punishment. How do you evaluate the six-game ban for Deshaun Watson? I think one that many of us believed is lighter than we would have expected. How do I evaluate it? Well, look, I mean, again, Judge Robinson is going off of, up, off of precedent. And we all are going to have our personal feelings about, you know, whether we feel as though the punishment mm. fit the wrongdoing. And when it comes to matters like this, look, this is, to me, something that transcends just a football issue. So to sit there and, and hear reports about fans clamoring over Deshaun Watson to get his autograph and owners chatting up VIPs and people just being all, you know, enamored with the football aspect of this, quite honestly, just speaks to the relative desensitized, how desensitized we have all in general become towards things like this in everyday walks of life, in, in our everyday society, as, as just normal functioning human beings. And that quite honestly, you know, makes me, I don't know if, if sad is the right word. I don't know if anger is the right word. I think it's a combination of all of it that we can just kind of look at this case, put it in its own little box, sit here and debate whether or not we feel as though six games is enough or should it be seven games? Should it be a year? Should he have been fined a million dollars, two million dollars, three million dollars? We're really, we're, we're kind of like missing the boat here. We're, we're missing, you know, like what we're really talking about here. And we're talking about, you know, in the words of the judge here, nonviolent sexual misconduct committed against upwards of 24 women. 
And how do we just put that in a box and then just move on and start asking for autographs and asking about how we feel as though this football team is going to do through the first six weeks of the season if, in fact, that's what his suspension remains and just move forward from that and mm. just kind of like toss everyone else to the side. It, right. It's amazing to me that we have, as human beings, the ability to do that with such ease, man, such ease. And, that, and, and instead of really saying, hey, look, there is a decision consequence kind of relationship here that we should all be reevaluating here. That when you make decisions like this, there should be consequences, and those consequences should be black and white. It should be very simple. It shouldn't be something that, that then is debated to the degree that which we debated and or kind of made excuses for it to the degree with which many of us make excuses for it. Because quite honestly, look, I, I don't, like right now, I'd, I'd have a tough time as a fan, and, and I'm speaking as a former player too, I'd have a tough time as a fan going up to someone so quickly after reading you know, the ruling that the judge put forth and just saying, hey, look, man, just give me your autograph. I can't wait. I can't wait to see you get out on the field this yeah. year and lead yeah. us to victory and kind of lead us out of the – I'd have a tough time doing that. And quite honestly, if I was in that situation, I'd probably have a tough time accepting the fact that that's what people are so willing to do. It's just, it's just a weird, weird dynamic, man. It's a weird dynamic that quite honestly makes me very, very uncomfortable about where we are headed right now in terms of how we view one another and how we value one another's – privacy and safety and how we respect one another, particularly as it pertains to women. I just don't get it. I don't get it at all. And more and more this kind of stuff happens, the more and more we become desensitized to it. And the more and more it seems like we have more and more people who are willing to just make excuses for it and look for ways to get out of being held responsible or holding people responsible, then we are looking for ways to hold people responsible. That, I, I mean, where does that leave us right now? I, I, I don't know. But I just know I'm, I'm troubled by it all, quite honestly. Yeah, listen, for me, it's, it's you know, you, there's so many different layers to this, this whole uh, situation. Obviously, the, the emotional aspect of it, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about human lives here that were affected by this, you know, unfortunate, you know, events by Deshaun Watson. And so, you know, as we talk about punishment and football, Sometimes the, the human aspect of it gets lost in the whole shuffle. You know, there were human lives that were affected by this. And so, you know, going off of what Lewis said, and I do, I, I do agree with that, is, you know, to hear, you know, Jake try to talk about the fans and, and, and how he was being mobbed in practice and, 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 and acting like basically none of this happened. It just <laughs> makes you feel sick to your stomach. There's no question about it. it. Makes you feel sick to your stomach, mm. you know. But also in the same time, at the same, you know, the same in the same manner, you know, as players, as an ex-player, we always talked about taking the power away from the commissioner and giving it to a third party. And you know, I just don't want to see, you know, the arbiter, you know, people attacking attacking her over over this because of the previous precedent that the NFL has set, <laughs> which has just made just a, made this whole thing a colossal disaster. I think when you look at it, right, and we're looking at what's going on in Cleveland, how Jake Trotter says it's a completely normal scene, you would have no idea that anything's going on, I think we go back to the offseason. And I think we go back to the way that Brown's ownership handled this situation. It didn't just trade for Deshaun Watson. It didn't just give him a new contract. It gave him a record-setting, unprecedented 
contract, $230 million of guaranteed money. Look at what Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, any of these quarterbacks this offseason who signed got, not even close to that. Mm. So somebody who is in Deshaun Watson's situation, who is being investigated, was treated as if he was the savior and somebody that Cleveland was so desperate to get that it didn't matter what he had done. Right. They were going to pay through the nose to go get him. And so the fans, I would think, feel to a certain extent, much like the owners do, the franchise has been so down for so long that they don't care what it takes and they don't care who they bring in and they don't care what he's done. We're going to pay whatever it takes and life here is going to go on as normal. Autographs, pictures, lining up for his affection, and we're going to pay that guy. So that, that's the part that's hard to make fit all together, but that's the reality in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to make this simple, but there was a time in which Deshaun Watson was embroiled in 24 lawsuits. He had limited guaranteed money left on his contract. Now he does have a six-game suspension, but he's the richest player ever in the NFL in terms of guaranteed money. He's only going to lose $345,000 as a result of that six-game ban. More to come on Deshaun Watson throughout NFL Live. But next, we dive into the Dolphins as they receive their punishment. And Dee Woody doesn't think that the punishment fits the misgivings. We get into the details after the break, plus lots more from Cleveland. Even after the judge's ruling, we're going to dive into the football field side of it and decide how they should go about their game plan without Deshaun Watson under center. Stay tuned. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Following a six-month investigation, the NFL concluded that Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross violated the anti-tampering policy on three occasions from 2019 to 2022, reporting that he had conversations with quarterback Tom Brady and the agent for then-New Orleans Saints coach Sean Payton. The probe also ruled that claims by then-head coach 
Brian Flores that he was offered financial incentive to lose during the 2019 season were unfounded. Nonetheless, the Dolphins are paying the price for tampering, and it might be a steep one in some people's eyes. The Dolphins lose their first-round pick in next year's draft and a third-round pick in 2024. Meanwhile, owner Stephen Ross is suspended through October 17th of this year and also fined $1.5 million. Ross and Bruce Beal, the Dolphins' vice chairman and limited partner, are prohibited from attending any league meetings during the 2022 season. Commissioner Roger Goodell released the following statements in regard to the findings, saying, quote, The investi investigators found tampering violations of unprecedented scope and severity. I know of no prior instance of a team violating the prohibition, a prohibition on tampering with a both head coach and star player to the potential detriment of multiple other clubs over a period of several years. Similarly, I know of no prior instance in which ownership was so directly involved in the violations. Quote, as for the findings... In regard to the tanking allegations, Stephen Ross released the following statement saying, quote, this, the independent investigation cleared our organization on any issues related to tanking and all of Brian Flores' other allegations. As I have said all along, these allegations were false, malicious, and defamatory, and this issue is now put to rest. With regards to tampering, I strongly disagree with the conclusions and the punishment. However, I will accept the outcome because the most important thing to us is that there not be there be no distractions for our team as we begin an exciting and winning season. I will not allow anything to get in the way of that. And quote. All right, it's so a lot to get there. And Shefty, what more can you tell us on this story that had been percolating, but the findings yeah. released today kind of came out of nowhere? Well, what's interesting is you rarely see tampering penalties doled out to NFL teams. And in any sport, if there are tampering investigations, usually it's over a team getting a player or a coach. In this particular case, there are penalties handed down against the Miami Dolphins for tampering with Tom Brady while he was with New England, while he was with Tampa Bay, and for tampering with Sean Payton while he was the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. And so the Dolphins are hit with all these penalties and don't even have either man to show for the efforts that the league says that they're guilty of. And so Stephen Ross now will pay the penalty. The Dolphins will pay the penalty. And here's a team that obviously was hoping to have some excitement build up. And now it's involved and linked to some of the biggest names in all of football in a failed attempt to go bring in Tom Brady yeah. as a limited partner and Sean Payton potentially as the head coach. That would have been some combination, those two together in Miami. But it didn't happen. And now the Dolphins are going to pay a heavy cost. And it's also interesting to know, Field, yeah. that one day after Judge Robinson wrote in her decision that owners are not held to the same standard, that here we are seeing, seeing Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, suspended mm. through October, fined a million and a half dollars. Judge Robinson yesterday wrote in her memo, her opinion, that owners are not usually held to the same standard as players, and today the NFL hammers Steve Ross and the Miami Dolphins. So, Damian, what do you think of these punishments? They have generated quite an interesting range of reactions. <clears throat> quite honestly, I feel like it's not enough, to be mm. honest with you. I mean, I know they're taking away a first-round first, uh, first pick this year and a third next year and over a million dollars, but the million dollars, that's a drop in the bucket of Steve Ross, and, uh, along with, you know, what is a six-game suspension. I mean, listen – the NFL is constantly, as a player, as a former player, the NFL used to always say that the higher up the the the, the hierarchy, the, the harsher the penalty. And I, I just look at this. When you're talking about an owner who's tampered, tampered 
you know, not once, not twice, but three different times, twice with two separate organizations as far as Tom Brady is concerned and Tampa with Sean Payton. I mean, you talk about predatory. That's like predatory in my mind as far as Stephen Ross is concerned. So, you know, like I said, man, I, I just want the NFL to just uphold what it always talks about as far as holding the higher up you go, the harsher the penalty as far as the, the you know, the, the front office or owners are concerned. I just don't think that this is harsh enough for Stephen Ross and the Miami Dolphins organization. Yeah, Damian, look, I think we've all heard that ownership, people who, you know, occupy positions of significant influence in the NFL need to be held to an even higher standard than the, than the players themselves. So the commissioner says in his writing, in his, in his ruling right there, that he has witnessed tampering in this case, that the investigators found tampering at an unprecedented level, mm -hmm. that he has never seen yeah. tampering mm. of this level for this mm. long, for over this extended period of time, ever. He's never seen it. And it could have been, and it was done, what could have been to the detriment of other clubs, to other teams. Okay, well, that seems to me like that's threatening the integrity of the game. And yeah, they were not found guilty of tanking in terms of Ryan... Flores' assertion that he was offered $100,000 to lose games. Yeah. But the commissioner did say that in the, during the 2019 season that to different members of the Dolphin management team that Stephen Ross did suggest to them that the Dolphins' draft position in the 2020 draft should take precedence over their winning football games that year. Okay, so to me... If you're suggesting that your draft position take precedent over the win, winning and losing of football games, and Brian Flores was troubled by that to the, to the degree to which he expressed that to other people, I mean, well, what does that suggest to you? Yeah, maybe they can't corroborate the fact that they offered, that he offered Brian Flores $100,000. They can't corroborate that, and he's been clear to that. But still, even though this is really focusing on the tampering aspect of it, that aspect of it also still exists. His desire to want them to focus on draft position other, and more so than winning games. So, yeah, when you're talking about does the punishment fit the crime here, especially when you're considering the fact that people all along, the commissioner all along, people around the NFL all along have suggested that people in positions of power should be held to a higher standard than even the players. Well, no, it doesn't seem like the punishment fits the crime because you're right. A million bucks to an NFL owner, are you kidding me? A million dollars? They'll write that out of their personal checkbook. So now, when you're talking about first and third round picks, yeah, that's significant. Yeah, it, now it affects their ability to acquire players mm. in, down the line to help their football team. But look, now people are going to wind up comparing this and contrasting this to the punishment that Calvin Ridley got for his transgressions as far as betting on NFL games. And now we're going to have a whole new round of debates about whether or not is it truly are people truly being held to the same standard when you're talking about ownership as opposed to players as compared to players. Right. I guess here we go. Now we can sit here and discuss this. Well, I would say this again. Brian Flores came out in a statement and essentially thanked the NFL for proving his point, even though it seemed like the penalties were more about the tampering than they were the tanking. Right. But again, I just want to go back to page 15 of the Sue L. Robinson decision because it brings together Deshaun Watson and Calvin Ridley and this particular incident today involving Stephen Ross. And on page 15, it says that the NFLPA questions whether it's fair and consistent 
to punish Mr. Watson for his nonviolent sexual conduct and not even charge various team owners who have been accused of similar or worse conduct. Mm. And so that is going to be in question going forward, especially if the NFLPA is going to challenge the NFL, which could challenge Sue Robinson's decision. Tying all the things together, Lewis. I got a quick thought. Maybe it's more of a question. On a day in which his team was docked two draft picks, he was suspended, or he was fined $1.5 million, and the NFL revealed it was unprecedented tampering committed by the Dolphins. Felt like Stephen Ross's statement was reading like, I told you so, we didn't actually tank. Rather than accepting responsibility for the, 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 the entire organization's actions, <laughs> yeah, that came figure. later mm-hmm. on in the statement, I suppose, even though it said I don't agree with right. it. Back-to-back days where NFL owners releasing statements that maybe they needed to read a couple more times before they actually put them out there publicly. So food for thought as we continue following this story, any potential details that emerge in the coming days. Coming up on NFL Live, we'll go back to Cleveland. No Deshaun Watson for six games, least. What does that mean for Jacoby Brissett and the Browns? Can they keep it together for that long? Dee Wood shares his thoughts. Once again, have the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony for you on ESPN. The class of 2022 include Tony Baselli, Cliff Branch, Leroy Butler, Sam Mills, Richard Seymour, Dick Vermeil, Bryant Young, and official Art McNally, the father of Instant Replay, Saturday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on ESPN, the ESPN app. All right, it's a good time to be Debo Samuel as the 49ers offensive force. Recently signed a three-year extension that pays him up to $73.5 million maximum. That according to Shefty. This comes on the heels of an offseason in which he previously requested a trade from San Francisco. He's not going anywhere. So the 49ers completely turned their season around last year when they got Debo involved in the running game. Over the first nine weeks of the season, he had only nine, he had only six carries. The 49ers, they were three and five during that stretch. Then he moved into that wide back role starting in week 10. San Francisco took off from there, posting a nine and two record in games that Samuel played in and falling just short of appearing in the Super Bowl. Debo held a press conference earlier today. And here's what he had to say, at least in part, ESPN NFL Nation 49ers reporter Nick Wagoner tweeted this wide receiver Debo Samuel mostly stuck to the script on how everything played out in his contract negotiations multiple references to it being quote a business and this was all part of that he did say that reports of him being upset with his usage were false our chef this is a long winding road for Debo to get a deal mm-hmm. with San Francisco why now for this deal for him well, again, feel we don't know exactly what it was that Debo Samuel was upset about, but the 49ers never really backed down. And despite the fact that Debo Samuel issued his trade request through Jeff Darlington, the 49ers never moved on it. And not only did they not move him, but they calmed him down to the point where he did sign a three-year, $71 million-plus extension that included over $58 million in guaranteed money. And the fact of the matter is, He is too important to their offense, and they're important to him. Both know how to get the most out of each other in this particular case. And he had the same agent as D.K. Metcalf. Torrey Dandy did the deal for D.K. Metcalf. He did the deal for Debo Samuel. And I think sometimes just as teams have game plans, agents have game plans as to how they want it to go down. And I'll bet you that Torrey Dandy wanted to get D.K. Metcalf done first, then go on to Debo. And Debo was going to get a new deal done. He did it over the weekend. Yeah. That gets him back out to practice, ends his holding, gives the 49ers the player that they want to work with their young quarterback, Trey Lance. Yeah. And now all that talk about him being unhappy goes away, much like last year the Packers stood their ground 
and managed to keep Aaron Rodgers and went on to have a successful season. Uh, Torrey Dandy, the agent you mentioned, also got deals done for Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, and also A.J. Brown. Let's go to Lewis here. How important is it having a number one wide receiver for Trey Lynch? It takes over as the starter this year. Yeah, I think, Field, I mean, you know, it's critical. It's critical just by virtue of the fact that he's the number one wide receiver. He's the best wide receiver. He's their most productive offensive player. Obviously carries with it a great deal of weight and a great deal of importance to the development of a young second-year quarterback who right now is just trying to find his way and find his way on a football team that has very, very high expectations. That's just on the field. But see, Debo's effect that you can't necessarily quantify in dollars and cents on this football team is like it's otherworldly, especially when you talk to Kyle Shanahan, you talk to people in San Francisco about how this guy at the wide receiver position sets the tone for this football team from a playmaking standpoint, an attitude standpoint, a toughness standpoint. Set, I mean, it's just it's all encompassing. So for the court, for the young quarterback to be in the huddle and be able to look over and actually see Debo with his helmet on and those pads on yeah. and say, and Debo can just kind of like look at him and be like, okay, this is where I'm going to be. Calm down, young, young buck. Yep. This is what we're going to do. This is where I'm going to be on this play. This is how I want you to give it to me. This is how I read the coverage. To constantly have that back and forth has to be just so comforting to Trey Lance and just where he can just go, ah, when all else fails, just get it to 19. Because that's the alpha right there. I mean, that's just huge. It's absolutely huge. And if I'm Trey Lance, I'm going, thank you, John Lynch. <laughs> thank you, Kyle Shanahan. Because without this guy, look, they're kind of, I, I don't want to say rudderless because that's not true. Because this has a lot of great players on this team. But Debo is the alpha. Make no mistake about that. Yeah, I mean, listen, to have that versatile chess piece in, in Debo Samuel where you you know, where you can line them up in the backfield. You can line them up in the, in the slot, outside, get the ball to them, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, screen passes. Those are the type of things that help your young quarterback. And you also got to remember, you know, this is the first time Trey Lance will be playing significant ball, you know, since, you know, in over two years when, when you know, before the COVID year with his last year at, at North Dakota State. So to be able to have all these array of weapons, in particular Debo Samuel now, Locked up to a uh, to a long term a long term deal, it's huge. It's absolutely huge for a young quarterback and his development moving forward as the guy this year in San Francisco. Well, as we all know, Trey Lance became a 49er because of a trade involving the Miami Dolphins. And up ahead here on NFL Live, we're going to dive back into the discipline that is handed down in Miami earlier today. We break down how we got here and the fallout for the Dolphins organization. More to come in just a few moments. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jet's Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jet's is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. 
That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Training camp injuries are unfortunate and unavoidable as the Cowboys are going to be without wide receiver James Washington for six to ten weeks. That, according to ESPN's Todd Archer, was a foot injury suffered on this play you see right here. Trayvon Diggs in coverage. This is what happens during camp. With the injury to Washington in the news from last week, that Michael Gallup will not be ready for week one as he recovers from a torn ACL suffered in January. The Cowboys only have two wide receivers currently available for week one that have caught a pass in the NFL. Those players are CeeDee Lamb and Noah Brown, who has been a backup for most of his career. Then there's Jalen Torbert, a third-round pick, Tolbert, a third-round pick this year out of South Alabama. Worth noting that just moments ago, Jerry Jones and the team does not expect to pursue a veteran wide receiver at this time. Lewis, it's at the point we can take a look at the schedule. Here's how it begins. Bucks, Bengals at the Giants, Washington at the Rams. This offense is dwindling for the first few weeks of the season. What's the plan here? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, look at the firepower right there. I mean, that's, that's an incredible amount of firepower that you're going to be going up against, that you're going to have to assume, look, we're probably going to have to score three touchdowns a game to stay in the games against the Buccaneers, the Bengals, probably the Rams, yeah. and maybe even the Eagles there. And, look, I don't know how that right now Jerry Jones or Stephen Jones could feel comfortable with the wide receiver core as it's presently constituted going up against those types of teams. I just don't see how they could feel comfortable with it. C.D. Lamb is a fantastic player. It's easy to take out one player. Yeah. One player. Jalen Tolbert is a fantastic prospect, had a lot of nice film at South Alabama, but he's a rookie and he's an unproven commodity. I don't see how they can get away with living up to the expectations or even coming anywhere close to the expectations that they continuously have in Dallas from year to year and then going to the beginning of the season with that wide receiver group. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the group. I'm just being realistic. And see, for Dak Prescott, when everyone right now is expecting him to light the world on fire, if I'm him, I'm going, you better get me some help. You better give me some help for the beginning of this season. Listen, I think the easy thing for me to say will be, oh, they got time because it's, it's technically the beginning of training camp. But what veterans are walking out, walking in the street that can come in and contribute right away? I know people have mentioned the Odell Beckham True. Jr., but he's rehabbing from an ACL. So it's just like, what do the Cowboys do? The only thing they can do is ride out with the guys <laughs> that they have right now and the firepower that they're going against yep. at the early part of the season. Good luck. There's always pressure on the Cowboys, feels like even more so due to uh, events that have taken place in recent days. Not here, we are not done here on NFL Live as with Deshaun Watson suspended for the first six games of the year. Jacoby Brissett is now QB1 in Cleveland. What will the Browns record be through week six? We discuss that next on NFL Live. Revisiting one of our top stories from the NFL today as the league announced significant punishments against the Dolphins. The team was found to have tampered with Tom Brady and later Sean Payton during a period spanning from 2019 to earlier this year, while both were under contract with other organizations. The investigation included the team did not tank in 2019 as then head coach Brian Flores had alleged, but a steep price will be paid. The Dolphins lose their first round pick in next year's draft, plus a third round pick in 2024. Owner Steven Ross is suspended through October 17th of this season, also is fined $1.5 million. Ross and Bruce Beal, the Dolphins' vice chairman and limited partner, are prohibited from attending any league meetings during the 2022 season. Let's get Shefty back in the mix here. Shefty, what work can you add on this situation? 
Well, Phil, this is integrity of the game violations, and it involves some of the biggest names in the sport with really unprecedented penalties handed down for tampering, violating the integrity of the game, and also addressing the Brian Flores accusations that the NFL said it couldn't corroborate, but it didn't dismiss, and Brian Flores thanked the NFL for supporting him and believing him in, in him and saying that his assertions were true. But the fact of the matter is, it certainly seemed like these loss of draft picks and the penalties that were imposed stem primarily from tampering with Tom Brady while he was under contract with the New England Patriots, while he was under contract to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, while Sean Payton was under contract with the New Orleans Saints, and the Dolphins had a vision to have Tom Brady come on as a minority partner with the idea that he could be executive of a team and even potentially a player, though that would have been very difficult to pull off. Sean Payton could have been the head coach. Obviously, it was pie-in-the-sky thinking. Didn't come close to happening, but the Dolphins were working on trying to engineer that arrangement, which the league picked up on, investigated, and basically came down hard on today one day after the Judge Sewell Robinson wrote in her opinion that the NFLPA asserted that NFL owners are not held often to the same standard that players are today, the NFL hammers the Dolphins owner, Steve Ross. Fascinating to note that Tom Brady currently scheduled to be a free agent next offseason if he chooses to play beyond this year. Wonder if Miami will be of interest for him at that time or if that ship has sailed. On Monday, we learned that the Browns were going to be without quarterback Deshaun Watson for the first six games of the regular season as he violated the league's personal conduct policy stemming from 24 lawsuits alleging sexual misconduct. The league has until Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern time to appeal this decision. The NFLPA has publicly stated it will not do that. As far as the football side goes, the Browns have a favorable schedule during the first six weeks of the season. Of their first four games, three of them are against teams that had a losing record last season. The last two games get tougher with matchups against the Chargers and the Patriots. Both of those games are in Cleveland, however. Jacoby Brissett will take over under center in Watson's absence. He spoke earlier today at training camp. It's been my situation throughout my career. Um, nothing that I'm unfamiliar with. Uh, always being ready to go whenever my number is called. And, um, that's the, the case in this, this point now. Feels good. You have that trust amongst the uh, organization. Uh, and, you know, like I said, I'm excited for the opportunity. Uh, you know, I have extremely confidence in myself and, and my ability. So, uh, like I said, we're a long way from week one. So, you know, just continue to get better. So, Adam, Jacoby Brissett said he said he is ready to go or what he will be ready to go when, he's, when, when need be. What's the timeline on the appeal process for the decision for us to officially know as it pertains to a potential additional punishment for Deshaun Watson? Well, Field, again, the NFL has until Thursday, 9 a.m., to decide whether or not it's going to officially appeal the suspension that Sue L. Robinson handed down yesterday in her written opinion. Now, it certainly seems like no matter what happens here, Deshaun Watson's going to miss at least the first six games of the season, and yeah. we'll see what the NFL has to say about that and whether it wants to tack on more games with Roger Goodell being the appeals officer or someone he designates his appeals officer. So again, this is a situation where Watson's going to miss the first part of the season. The question is whether or not his suspension will be extended by the NFL yeah. and how the NFLPA would then plan to combat that. Damian, this is certainly unusual territory for a locker room. So how do you deal with this as a locker room, this juggling of the possibility of not having your quarterback for six games and also everything that's gone into this situation? 
Yeah, Phil, you know, as a player, you just your whole mantra, your whole mindset is control the things that you can control, right? You have no control over whether your your quarterback will be available or not. So, you know, this is a roster that this is a this is a well constructed roster. Um, and as a player in it, you just got to focus on, OK, I need to go out here and do the do my job to the best of my ability. And and whoever is the quarterback, we just going to rally around him and go out there and help him do his job. So, listen, Jacoby Brissett is a, is a pro's pro. He's been around for a while, a lot of different uh, situations, a lot of different coaching staff. So he knows, you know, all these different offenses. He knows how to go out there and operate the system. Um, it's just going to be incumbent upon everybody to go out there and put their best foot forward because, quite honestly, the Cleveland Browns have a lot of really good players on, on both sides of the ball. So I'm not too worried about Jacoby Brissett. It's just all about, you know, getting him, you know, ratcheted up for that week one contest. Lewis, we mentioned it earlier. So let's go back to that schedule as we saw those first six games that the Browns have at the Panthers, home to the Jets, home to the Steelers, at the Falcons, home to the Chargers and Patriots. How do you see this team setting up for success? Yeah, Field, I think, you know, I think they could expect or they should really be at the very least hoping to be 3-3 three and three if, in fact, Deshaun Watson is only suspended for six games. I think those three tough games that you would assume would be the toughest games, Steelers, Chargers, Patriots, being at home is something that the schedule gods really bestowed upon them. And I'm sure Cleveland is very grateful for from a pure football standpoint to be able to tackle those teams at home. We know that the Steelers are going to, it's a 50-50 toss-up because of how much of a rivalry game it is. Obviously, the Chargers are going to come in there with a very powerful offense, and the, and the Patriots are going to be the Patriots, which, is, which means you're always going to be in for a dogfight with them. But I would expect that they, at the very least, would hope that they could be a 3-3 three and three heading into those two big games that they would have before the bye if, in fact, Deshaun would be back at that point in time. And I'm sure, like, look, the last thing I would say is this. Just like Damian said, I think... Um, Professional athletes are master compartmentalizers. They're able to, once you kick it off or once the first pitch is thrown or once the ball is tipped off, professional athletes have an ability to really focus on the task at hand, and the Cleveland Browns players are going to have to do just that, just as the coaches will, and I'm sure they will, despite the fact that their team right now is just embroiled in a very unfortunate situation, no question to say about, the least. No question about that. Let's wrap up the show with a bit of injury news. And, Shefty, we have some breaking news out of Denver involving wide receiver Tim Patrick. Yeah. Unfortunate news field. Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick, who was really beloved and respected in that locker room, went down today during practice and suffered a torn ACL. The test just came back. They revealed the torn ACL. He now will be out mm. for the season. And this becomes another wide receiver the Broncos have lost to a torn ACL in the last few years. K.J. Hamler, Cortland yeah. Sutton, now Tim Patrick, who really was one of the most respected players in that locker room. Well, the Broncos wide receiver depth takes a hit. More on NFL Live tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern time.